how many of us ever know what it is to become the perfect version of ourselves? This is Decoding Superhuman with your host, Boomer Anderson. My fellow superhumans, it's so great to be here with you today. We're continuing to really go out to the fringes and back to the mainstream in this world of health, separating true from crap, and giving you bite-sized pieces of actionable information to use in your everyday life. Now, my conversation with today's guest began really after reading a book called Principles by a person who I would consider a role model in a way, Ray Dalio. And Ray Dalio goes through an approach with hiring people that I find to be unique and extremely analytical. So naturally, I I gravitate towards it. And so when I was speaking with a number of friends about how to really get more analytical in my own hiring process... I'm hiring, by the way. I came across a good friend, a South African brother from another mother, Justin Furness. And Justin's an integrative medicine expert. And for the past 10 years, Justin has devoted himself to uncovering the biggest challenges that stand in people's way to experiencing a life of passion, purpose, and true personalized fulfillment. He looks at removing the walls of conditioning that are typically blocking our worldviews and holding you back from experiencing a life that you truly want and deserve. With all of this in mind, Justin launched the Life Print System and Methodology in 2013. It was launched to evaluate a person, relationship, team's baseline behavior patterns and their required highest driving needs that are necessary to feel valued and fulfilled within their life or business. If you go back to that Ray Dalio analogy, you can see how Ray evaluates all of the employees that he is hiring for specific tasks and roles. So I looked at this as sort of an opportunity. But when all of this is applied, the result is also higher engagement from either an employee or in a relationship or whatever the particular scenario. You have elevated efficiency and happier people. And who really doesn't want that? So they produce higher quality and results consistently. Now, this conversation is really, really wide ranging and you'll actually get to see me become a guinea pig at one point. And so, yes, we talk about the connection to principles and Ray Dalio, who Justin has also read. We talk about what is life print and we get into unified physics. Now, this is something that I'll link to in the show notes, but Resonance Science Foundation is something that you want to take a look at because a lot of what Justin is doing is based on physics. And then we talk about how to use life print to reach your full potential. And then finally, yes, you will get to see me become a guinea pig on this one. And I'm going to release the video of me going through Justin's life print assessment because I found it fascinating and it hit on so many levels. Like the fact that I'm an, almost an introvert in some ways at parties, whereas I'm extremely extroverted and like to be a center of attention among people closest to me. That was all really, really fascinating. And again, Justin's a good friend, so we got into pretty deep levels of me. So you may want to check that out. The show notes for this one are at decodingsuperhuman.com slash Justin. No fancy spelling there. That's J-U-S-T-I-N. I really hope you enjoy this episode. Before we get started, I need to give a word to my sponsor. My sponsor for this episode is The Ring on My Finger. And yes, I'm not even married yet, but I want to uh, give a shout out to these guys because it has changed the way I look at sleep. Now, if you go back to the episode with Benjamin Smarr and others, I I talk a lot about the importance of sleep and how it is absolutely essential to reach epic levels of performance. Only 3% of you out there can get away with less than six hours of sleep. Think about that. But When I went back to hacking my sleep, one of the things that I first went to is how to quantify that. And the device I use is the Aura Ring. The new one came out recently and you should all get it because frankly, it's shaped more like a ring rather than the original Cracker Jack box one, which I enjoy and still wear. But the information it gives me is absolutely essential to becoming a more epic human. I look at things like REM sleep, deep sleep, 
my sleep stages and the sequence of that. Again, go back to the episode with Dr. Smart if you want to realize um, what that all really adds up to. And I look at just sort of lifestyle adjustments to make my sleep better. For instance, not eating so late at night leads to an earlier resting heart rate, leads to me feeling just more and more awesome the next day. And it's also impacted how I do things like intermittent fasting. So I hope you all check it out. And if you want to check it out now, the guys at Aura are giving $50 or 50 euros off, depending on what part of the world you're in. So go to AuraRing.com and plug in the code BOOMER for that discount. And now, finally, on to my conversation with Mr. Justin Furness. Justin, welcome to the show. Hey, Boomer. Thank you for having me. Super excited to be here. You know, this is a conversation I've been looking forward to for so, so long because you and I have met at a, a business development event and I can't remember exactly what you said or you stood up and and talked and I just thought to myself, this is a good dude. I'm going to get along with him. So I know you're from South Africa, so brew, 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 it's very good to have you on the show. <laughs> Uh, bro, thank you very much. Um, it's an absolute pleasure to be here. And I must say, there has to be something said for resonance. Um, there are certain people that you meet in your life where you know um, you can just cut through all the bullshit and, and go right down to a level of depth that is very much appreciated. Um, and you know some people that you meet in life where you can't go there and you have to literally plant little seeds uh, hoping that they'll sprout and you'll be able to connect on that deeper level later. And what I appreciate about you was literally the amount of depth we could literally go to straight away. And that for me is always a sign of, of salt of the earth and, and good people. So thank you very much. Amen, brother. So why don't we jump into it? Uh, speaking of depth, you're the founder of LifePrint. And for those that may not know exactly what that is, do you mind just giving an overview of what LifePrint is? Uh, Boomer, it's my pleasure. LifePrint really aims to solve the gross behavioral uh, epidemic being experienced globally at the moment. And it really offers a new model of behavior evaluation, uh, which is a complete understanding of human potential at its real basis. Uh, so LifePrint really equips individuals, relationships, uh, teams, businesses with a formula that really empowers self-leadership. Uh, it really gives insight into what the highest driving needs that are necessary in order for a person to experience true fulfillment within their life. Um, and so it's really there to offer on, on numerous levels a, a different model or application of life experience. This is awesome. We're going to get into some of this today. So uh, this is largely based on unified physics. Is that right? A hundred percent. So it's based on quite a couple of models uh, within the new sciences that are coming out. And I really say new sciences uh, with a little in, in inverted commas because it's actually not really new. It's been around for ages. It's just now that it's being validated. Uh, so all the things that are considered pseudoscience or metaphysics are just really labels for the science we haven't understood yet. And so now there's been a huge shift, um, really a big worldview shift that's happening globally at the moment. And it's one that's moving from a separate worldview and a worldview based on separation. And we're now moving into a worldview that is more connected and it's a connective worldview. And so the last time we really changed worldview was absolutely ages ago um, in the time of Galileo. That worldview shift of the world actually being round, which was never really accepted to begin with, Galileo actually had to retract what he said and and literally was dismissed entirely for his views but that worldview shift changed globally culture globally um how we operate uh, on a very fundamental level so this connected worldview is kind of a theme i've had in recent podcasts uh, one of my more recent episodes with jordan greenhall talked a little bit about collaboration and the need for sovereignty uh, so i suggest people to check that one out as well but Going more a little bit deeper into the life print framework, yes, you you guys do or you uh, have created these sort of five categories of human potential. Do you mind going into those real quick? And I know you're going to. I'm I've volunteered myself 
today to be a little bit vulnerable, but do you mind just explaining what those five uh, categories of human potential are? Uh, Certainly, Boomer. So our typical way of evaluation and our evaluation models over the last hundred years, if we have a look at it, it's all been intellectually based. And so we've got a IQ test or we get evaluated on those levels and they haven't really changed very recently. It's still pretty much the same. There's been new developments, like all of a sudden there's been a big push and this is also part of a connected uh, worldview shift that's coming, is now there's been a push in terms of emotional intelligence. And so we're seeing a huge uprising in terms of that. Uh, however, that's just another category, and, and so we're becoming more inclusive. However, the LifePrint model really looks at five categories of evaluation, and you can have multiple of these going on at any one time uh, within your LifePrint signature. So the five categories are basically we evaluate on intellectual potential, emotional potential, motivational potential, practical potential, and then a transformative or transcendent potential. And so you can really have a look at the, the five real functions of how we operate on a day-to-day basis. And so just because one, you may not have one or the other, it doesn't mean that you're not intelligent or you don't have emotions um, or something like that. It's just a measurement to show and demonstrate exactly what your spectrum of potential is. One of the things that really resonated with me when we were speaking just a couple of days ago was this whole we are individual uh, movement. And it it appeals to everything that I do in terms of the health side, Uh, just really recognizing that we're all individual and what works for Justin may not work for Boomer, what works for me may not work for my mother, et cetera, et cetera. And that really resonates well with me. So once we go through the analysis and we've got our our sort of different levels of potential, you, you mentioned something called nine personality types. Do you mind going through those a little bit here? And then I would love for you to uh, show people what this analysis looks like. Sure, Absolutely. So, Boomer, here's the thing. Out of those five categories of of human potential arise nine personality types. Uh, Those nine personality types really plug into what what we call in the LifePrint system the sensory inputs. And so depending on what personality falls into which sensory inputs will determine how that role is going to be expressed or played out. And those personality types really have a proactive and a reactive behavior set. Within the life print system, we really stay away a lot uh, from these real charged language patterns. So there's no good or bad. There's no positive or negative. It's very much, we're based on nature. It's based on that unified physics principle, meaning that we recognize the underlying patterns uh, within nature. And so we are part of that patterning system. So for instance, an example is if, you know, a volcano is just sitting there dormant and it's chilling out, it's, it's, it's absolutely fine. Nobody notices it, but then it erupts and it goes through a really reactive, it erupts and it blows smoke and ash and everything may kill a few thousand people with respiratory stuff, but nobody goes around and points at the volcano and goes, oh, bad volcano. How dare you, you evil thing. And so we're very similar. We have a proactive encouraging behavior set and a reactive protective mode that goes into a survival instinct. And that's not a good, bad, positive or negative thing. That's just who we are. And I really do believe one of the biggest challenges that we're facing right now as a society, and this is where I think is the only place where equality exists because we all start off with the same challenges being conditioned into these models that are not necessarily um, suitable for us. And this really starts right at the beginning. We follow the same principle in line as Dr. Bruce Lipton in terms of the model of conditioning is always environmental inward. And so that happens in neutro. You get basically programmed to say by the emotional feelings of what your mother is experiencing during that um, time of, of pregnancy. So what's passing through the wall of the placenta 
and you're also in resonance with your father and getting programmed with what's intellectually going on in his life at that time. That's basically where the neurological archetype starts to develop. Then what happens is when you are born, the information field, the resonance field of the planet at that time, our degree of technological advancements, our degree of culture, our degree of pretty much every influence that is going on at the time is really a resonance chamber of information and energy. When I talk about information, it's synonymous to consciousness, it's synonymous to energy. So any energy, information, or consciousness is just names for the same thing. All right. And then, so when you're born and so there's a, there's different varieties and categories of those five potentials available on that day measured in terms of where we are within our evolutionary species and what we are developing into. So for instance, an example would be, uh, we didn't have electricity before. And so the resonance of that, and then the next day electricity was invented. And all of a sudden there's a huge evolutionary jump in terms of our global morphogenic field as a species as we develop and evolve and so that basically information field you become basically part of that information and so that energy is almost imprinted as a potential and so we all energy everything is energy and so we basically our energy system then has a relationship on a day-to-day -day basis with the resonance field of the earth at different times and different stages. And so we can really map the developmental process of what we go through during different life cycles and then the relationship that we are having with each day during that, each year during that, each month during that. And so you can basically map the signature, the timeline and the trajectory. So one of the biggest things that we look at within LifePrint is what are the real problems and challenges that we're facing? Firstly, it's the conditioning. So it's the society or cultural expectation or conditioning at the time. And so we learn at a very young age what is socially acceptable, either within our family, within our family dynamic, within our society, or within our culture. And that may not necessarily fit our evaluation for who we are. And so we start to learn behaviors that are not authentic to who we may be. Einstein basically said that if you judge a fish on its ability to climb a tree, it's going to live its life thinking that it's useless or a failure. And so we've got these models of measurement on this illusionary standard that exists. And so we get measured and then so what's appropriate at home. Then it goes into schooling. And so we've got all these models and people tend to typically measure themselves externally on what they've been conditioned to believe to be true, but it may not be true for them. And so there's been a lot of voice given to these so-called negative behaviors, like depression is not normal, anxiety is not normal, all of these things that are naturally wired to us as a protective model or mindset that we wired for survival, that's our first mode, and, and we wired over thousands of years for this evolutionary update. And so we move away from a growth model. And so the body can't be in two places at one time. And so it's either experiencing a reactive defensive cycle, protective cycle, or it's an encouraging proactive uh, movement forward. And so we look at those two sides of the equation. So either I'm in a proactive flow state where everything's gravitating towards me, I'm in a healthy mindset, opportunities are all around me, people enjoy being in my space. Or then somebody cuts me off in traffic and then I react and all of a sudden I hit a reactive cycle where opportunities gravitate away, people don't want to be around me and I'm just the best person to be around. And so those are the two sides that we look at. And so every personality has a proactive and a reactive cycle but it's not good or bad. And so we really want to bring awareness to, hey, what's normal for me to experience? What's my standardized model? Because life's not a pair of elastic pants. It's not a one size fits all. And so you've got a lot of people trying to fit into a mold that they were never ever born to be. And so for a lot of people, that's where the challenge lies. The, the image or I guess the thing that immediately comes to my mind is just... Uh an experience that 
somebody very close to me in the family actually went through growing up as in they were sort of labeled as not being able to focus, not being able to get things done. They've gone on to become wildly successful. And it's purely because that they, they threw the baby out with the bathwater, so to speak, and were able to just focus on what, what, what makes them them and really just live that sort of individual lifestyle. Your story and how you do things, that's the thing that I think of. The other thing that I want to add is that Bruce Lipton, uh, you mentioned him earlier. I, I think there's a lot of people listening to this that follow epigenetics, follow uh, particularly transgenerational epigenetics. And you know Bruce Lipton's Biology of Belief is a great book for people to get started on if they have any questions about the, the science behind this. I think the one thing that we didn't touch on really in that was the actual nine. Uh, do you mind going through what the nine different types are? Certainly. So the nine patterns, we'll basically go through them category by category. The two, the two patterns arising uh, out of the category of intellectual potential is the leader personality. The leader personality is really driven um, by the need for significance and certainty. Moving in secondary out of that is the inventor personality. Uh, which is driven by the need for variety and freedom. We then shift gears into the emotional category, so emotional potential. Out of that comes the nurturer personality pattern, driven by the need for security and connection. Second to that arises out of the emotional category is the idealist. The idealist really driven by certainty and contribution. Moving into the motivational potential, we've got the organizer driven by independence and significance. Secondly, the negotiator driven by certainty and significance. And then moving into the practical potential, we've got the investigator, which is really the visionary, the investigator, researcher, visionary. It's got quite a few labels because it's really hard to pin down. It's, it's quite an interesting personality pattern. And so that's really driven by uncertainty and significance. Uh, lastly, from the practical potential category, we look at the dependable which is driven by security and contribution. But there's really nine driving needs that all of us want to experience, which are really above culture, location, literally wherever we are. For the human being and for the species, they all need these nine needs fulfilled. And so most personality patterns will have a driving higher two, but once those really come into it, all the other needs will kind of slot into place. But those are the drivers. Those are the real ones that, that are necessary in order for that person to feel fulfilled. Because I have a saying, you don't always get what you want, but you almost certainly always get what you need. It's just what bugs most people is how they are getting what they need. And that's either in a reactive or proactive way. That's what really kind of gets us. Sounds a lot like the Rolling Stones there, Justin. Uh, so I guess after you have all of this information, which can be very overwhelming for people, and after this, I want to get into the actual analysis, but how do you work with your clients to really assimilate this? Because for some people, this may be, I hate to use a word that you mentioned earlier, but transformative and quite impactful. For some people, this may be hard to handle. What exactly do you do with your clients once they've found out all this information? I can't tell you the amount of clients that I've had that just imparting an analysis to them, letting them know that what they're experiencing is normal for them is just such a huge relief. Typically, most people will think there's something wrong with them. They're broken or damaged and it's just not the case. And so that's the first thing. Yes, it can be overwhelming, uh, my background is in integrative medicine uh, and behavior uh, analysis, uh, which is where this kind of all stems from. But typically, I'll take a client through a transformative process over three months. Uh, I typically don't work in singles because it, you need support when you're going through this transformative work. And it needs time and space in between to integrate certain things. Uh, and you need to basically be supported through that because change takes a little time to integrate. Uh, so what I've typically seen over the years is that there's a tendency to over-treat. 
and so I think that's hugely detrimental. Um, and it's the same thing as, you know, anything in life. If you, if you, if you take too much, if there's not enough time to integrate, for instance, if eating a sweet is okay, but if I eat a sweet every day, um, or we eat chocolate every day over a long period of time, that's not going to be healthy for me. And there always is that lag time. Uh, typically, people don't understand a lot of things take longer than they think. And so we really look at guiding somebody through and really revealing what their talents and their abilities are so they can triple down on that and start to self-interrupt when they go into a reactive pattern knowing that it's not them, there's nothing wrong with them, but this is a marker, it's a signal, just saying, hey, what do we need to look at to shift it back into a proactive state and into a really flow state where, where somebody's having the experience that life is actually happening for them and not to them. I'm a big believer in empowering people to be energetic generators of their own experience as opposed to energetic reactors to the environment. And so that's really helping people to feel empowered, but it goes deeper than that because you can really take it into businesses, look at staff fulfillment, look at roles and positions of what people are playing and really elevate what it is that somebody wants to feel in order to experience like they're being fulfilled either within their role or within their life. I love this. And I can see many uh, practical applications of this, particularly in the workplace. Ray Dalio comes to mind in his book, Principles. He talks a little bit about how they analyze different people for different roles. And I imagine life print would be quite complementary to, if not better than something like a Myers-Briggs test. But I think the show is now yours, Justin. <laughs> Let's get it. I've decided to be very vulnerable today, and you've been very gracious with your time. And we're going to show you, everybody listening, how this analysis actually works on me. So, Justin, the floor is yours. I'm looking forward to this. I'm a little bit scared, but that's okay. By the way, for anybody who's into or wants to check out more on this, the show notes will be at decodingsuperhuman.com slash Justin. That's J-U-S-T-I-N. This podcast is actually split into two parts. One is the actual podcast that you're listening to, and two is the video. The video can be found in the show notes at decodingsuperhuman.com slash Justin. And why did we have a video? Well, in the interest of being the human guinea pig that I am, I let Justin walk me through a life print analysis live. And you can watch that entire experience and how powerful it is at the show notes. I've also put a link to the YouTube as well as uh, any other sort of information that you're looking to see from Justin himself. So that's basically Boomer in a nutshell, man. That's the physical side. We can go very esoteric. There's so many layers within the system. It's very detailed. We can go into different layers of the higher self-consciousness of how information is basically coming into the body, how the DNA within the nucleus of the cell is being programmed through resonance, frequency, and information, how that information is there encoding the physiology and how that's being expressed through the cell. And we can go into so many layers, man, but... I think, um, I think that's really juicy and enough information for the audience. And we can possibly take that offline or do another episode if your audience is excited and they want it. You know, I always let the market decide at the end of the day. Uh. <laughs> now, I, I, a couple of questions here, because as I'm looking at this, call it display, if you will, yeah. the Hertz measurements. And, and Justin, just by the way, this is almost shocking, which is why I'm at a loss for words right now at how accurate this is, especially in terms of my own inner self-talk. But when I look at the the Hertz and let's say universal movement versus resonance of potential. Correct. Is that just a measurement of the, I mean, it's got to be the measurement of the vibration. Is that right? Correct. So it's the resonance of, of, of that vibration. Typically, universal movement is very different. Um, that's not really part of who we are. It's just basically how we're being moved. So I call that gravity. Mm -hmm. So it's almost like it's the basis of the unified uh, formulas and structures that this is based on is a fractal holographic quantum gravity a model for the science geeks out there. Yeah, I, I think uh, there's going to be a lot of people that will gravitate towards what you just said. Uh, and then there'll be some people that will just sort of sh shy away. Do you mind unpacking 
what that exactly means just a little bit? Certainly. So that's part of the unified physics model that is taught at the Resonance Academy, uh, which is really headed by Nassim Haramein, Dr. William Brown, uh, and Almira Valbaker, who's the astrophysicist. Dr. William Brown is the geneticist. And of course, Nasima is really the project director who all of this information and publishings are based on. And so what it is, is a unified model is really having a look at what is the, the fundamental pattern that really unifies the infinitely large with the infinitely small. And it turns out nature has a repetitive pattern that it repeats again and again and again and again. And it doesn't really matter what level of awareness you look at things. So it doesn't matter what scale. So whether you're looking at a universe, whether you're looking at a galaxy, whether you're looking at a hurricane, whether you're looking at a human being, whether you're looking at an atom, they all have the same pattern of spin, so torsion, everything, there's torsion with everything, and everything divides at a ratio of pi. And so you can see which is 0.618 or 1.618, it divides or expands at that ratio. So you can even look at the human body and you can see your finger is divided up into sections. And so this section is 0.618 times smaller than the next section. The next section is 1.618 times bigger than the previous section. And so everything scales, it's within the geometry, there's torsion. And so this is mapped throughout and it gives an incredible amount of accuracy when measuring this is the the golden ratio right well yeah it's based on the golden ratio but it divides and expands and so it's it basically it divides through that ratio or expands through that ratio okay but yeah exactly the golden ratio correct uh, and so the physics already looked at what that is then what we found is that it's everything's a fractal patterning so if you look at um, hyperdimensional torsion physics for those that are the geeks in the astrophysics world we look at uh, everything's fractal based and repetitive spinning um, so it creates these beautiful patterns so if you look at sunflowers or dandelions or pine cones We've got this beautiful myriad of patterning that happens that is a combination of the dynamical energy interaction within that field. And so we get these patterns. And then the quantum gravity just basically means that the further you come into a proton or an electron field, the force of gravity literally becomes compressed. And so the gravity changes depending on scale. Um, and, and that iteration. And so the more you come down, the more quantum gravity, the more tight it becomes, the more energy is actually in, in, impacted and contained within that. Um, and so we look at those different elements. And so we find that repeated on every scale, everything looks the same. Um, and that's really what, what unifies everything. And then the math that I mentioned earlier with the surface volume of a proton having the same information as the entire universe uh, basically shows that every single proton is connected. We're all connected, right? And so we're all connected through the space that we share. Uh, and so this is really about, and when people get it, uh, and, and part of the process of life prints really is a six step uh, spiritual process that underpins it all, which is first, I have to have tolerance of self. I have to be able to tolerate myself both my proactive side and my reactive side, because if I can't tolerate myself, I can't make it to the next level, which is respecting all aspects of myself. So Justin, like take for instance, what you were saying earlier about myself and sort of that struggle with self-worth and self-esteem, which I'll admit is somewhat of an issue uh, at times. So this is basically step one of your process is basically if I cannot respect myself, I can't move forward. Is that right do i have that going let me reframe that it doesn't mean you can't move forward it just means that um you won't move into being able to come into a collaborative space healthily so step one is really tolerance tolerance of myself my processes my decisions both proactive and reactive of my own journey then once I tolerate that, I can actually learn to respect that I, there's two sides of myself. I have a proactive side and I have a reactive side and that's okay because I bring awareness to that density. If I look at things and I ignore them, it's the same thing. Have you played water polo? Have you played with a ball um, in a swimming pool or something? Yeah, I, I've seen it played. My, my cousin is a world-class water polo player, so I, I've seen it played. Right. So, and you know, you, they can basically control that ball when they're bouncing it on the water, right? Mm -hmm. But if you take that ball and you say that, okay, that ball represents a reactive pattern. And if I don't control it 
and I ignore it. It's the same thing as taking that ball and trying to swim and push it down and touch the bottom of the swimming pool. Mm -hmm. Okay. And so the further down, the more dense it's, the more dense it becomes. And when you let go of that, you can't plot a trajectory where that ball is going to come out. Okay. And when it comes out, it shoots out of that water at such velocity that if it smashes into someone, it's going to break someone's nose. Mm -hmm. Right. And so that's very much like our reactive behavior. When we bring awareness to it, it's there for a reason. We don't want to ignore it. Because ignoring it, we don't control it. It's, we, when we really own it, I believe you can use reactive patterns in a very proactive way. Mm -hmm. You basically own that all aspects of your entire spectrum because they're there, they're, they're beneficial. They're, it's there to be used uh, just within the right circumstances. And so mm -hmm. then you learn to be respectful over exactly what energy and, and power you have, the choices you have, the process you have, the journey that you go on. And only then can you really move into self-love because if you can't tolerate yourself, you can't respect yourself, you'll never love yourself. On top of that, you won't be able to, you, the chances of you being able to tolerate anybody else in your environment will be pretty minimal. And so the chance of you being able to respect somebody else fully in your environment will also kind of be challenged by that. Um, and so that really, the, that's the first three steps of self-development and awareness. Once you fully tolerate, respect, and love yourself, something happens because you understand that this is how you're programmed. This is your spectrum of potential and not everybody's the same. And so therefore you learn and grace starts to appear in your life. And when grace starts to appear, you gracefully honor step five, the gracefully honoring somebody else along their process and their journey, doing the best that they can with their behavioral potential, trying to match and meet their needs, allows love to actually move into something that I call um, eternal love. Uh, and so that's an eternal love that's really based on tolerance, respect, and acceptance for all um, people and, and spaces in the environment. This is, this is a beautiful process. Now, at the end of this, this just you end up with sort of a superhuman individual that's able to demonstrate their fullest expression of self to, to the world. Right. What are some of the things that people uh, have come away with that have worked with you, if you don't mind me asking? Ooh, great question, Boomer. There's been so many, um, you know, like I've been teaching the system now for we're in our fifth year now, and I've never had one person come to me afterwards and say that was crap. It, it did nothing for me. In three years, we've just had the most amazing feedback because I really think that it makes, it, it helps people to be accountable for themselves. Um, and for me, accountability is control. If I'm accountability and I'm fully accountable for all aspects of myself, I'm in the driver's seat. And so I'm no longer disempowered by waiting for the environment to, to set the control sets of what's acceptable and what's normal. I get to decide that I'm fully empowered. And I think that's really the message that comes from this is people actually realize that, oh, hang on a second, this is this. And the thing is, intuitively, they already know, which is why when I start describing this, people, and this is the typical reaction is they sit there going, it's like you've been a fly on the wall my entire life. Well, that's exactly my reaction that I've had today is I'm sitting here and saying, holy shit, Justin, what the hell did you do beforehand to, I know you and I have spoken in the past, but did you do some sort of private investigator thing going on here? Because things like the leader, the organizer, the child, I have been described as a child in an adult's body before. And these are all just sort of I realized that they exist, but it's actually somebody who's come to me and said there's a mathematical reason behind it, which is interesting. But how empowering is that? How many times have you been told, oh, you're too quiet or you're too shy or you're too um, this, you know, like, and so that's the illusionary standard. And for a lot of people, this is what them up because they think this is not normal. I've been described as a child and that could be taken in so many frames and, and typically they, they're not good frames. 
I'll give you an instance like this. This whole system really came out of an immense amount of suffering and pain for me. And basically what happened to me, and, and, and it's a story for another time, uh, but this is really where the birth of the life print came from. And so the patterns are, are you too loud? Or you laugh too loudly? Or, you know, in those frameworks, when somebody's just being authentically to who they are and they're not um, fitting into the societal standard or model, can be hugely detrimental to someone someone if they don't know that this is normal for them and typical for them to experience. And so they're always looking and, and validating themselves externally and measuring themselves on an illusionary standard or model that's not true for who they are. And I think this is so crucial right now. I mean, if we just look at the stats, the stats are the stats are scary. I mean, this is taken from the Canadian Post, November 14, 2016. Um, and we're having a look at the amount of youth that were prescribed antidepressants between in three years, so 2010 to 2013. Over 5 million antidepressant prescriptions were dispensed to under 18 years old. This is, it's, it's ridiculous. That's one stat. Have a look at, have a look at the U.S., 8.3 million kids are prescribed psychiatric medication between the ages of zero and 17. That's from a step taken in 2013. And I can assure you it hasn't gone down. No, it hasn't. And so we've got a whole generation that's now being described as generation medication. What the f are we going to do in 10 years time when those kids grow up? This is, this is very important. And, and I do think... I'm at a loss for words here, but you're being told from a very young age, uh, particularly in the U.S., but also in other places, and I'll go back to my former career in finance, that I needed to be the center of attention in a room. And that was a particularly hard concept to for me to do, especially when I didn't know the people. Once I got to know them, it was relatively easy. So there's that nurturer. Exactly. And so when I go to a party, let's say even now, or the fact that I'm having one on Saturday, if you want to make the flight up to Amsterdam, I will end up talking to one person in a corner and you know, making sure everybody's having a good time. I'm the host usually, but everybody's having a good time, but I'll end up talking to one person. And there was this dynamic where I was always being pushed to be the center of attention. And what I love so much about this analysis is that it acknowledges that I am okay with that with people I know. But when it comes to a much more social setting, it's all, it's all right for me to just sit in the corner and talk to one person. It's all right for me to just kind of not be the, the center of attention, the life of the party, so to speak. And, you know, as a person who has been, tr has tried to push the alpha male thing a little too hard, this definitely resonates. So thank you. Hey, it's been an absolute pleasure. If we go further into that, if I'm trying to just see here. Uh, that's also about your instinct too, Boomer. For you, it's important for that instinct to really be in a proactive state. Everybody needs to come together and have a good time. Mm -hmm. And so that's important. And so it's a collective for you that really helps to keep you in a, in a proactive state. And so if that becomes an overwhelming experience where people aren't happy and they're not getting along, that's where it starts to become overwhelming. And so then you will start to uh, break away and make sure you're trying to nurture all those little clicks. And, and so that will happen uh, because that's what's so important for you is, is your utmost drive is service of others before self. And sometimes at your own detriment, possibly also learned that in the past that you've actually got to be self fish to be more selfless first um, and when to actually ask and say hey like I need some help that doesn't mean that I failed or anything but you know right now I need some service <laughs> yeah that's uh it's been one of my big struggles as an entrepreneur is to get other people to help me out but it's uh it's good now, I, I guess, Justin, uh, this has been absolutely fascinating. And I think I'd love to have you back on to talk about the DNA replication in particular, because there are a lot of people into genetics and we use that uh, here. But I ask a couple of questions of everybody that comes on the show. I may have hinted at this earlier, but I'm going to hit you with two in closing. I guess the first one is what's your top trick for enhancing your focus? Ooh, what a great question. Juicy. I like it. Uh, you know, so I'm a high performance facilitator and trainer. And so for me, uh, hacking the environment is so, 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 so crucial. 
because if you look at how the conditioning actually works, I'm a big fan of being a conscious habit creator and not an unconscious habit reactor. Uh, and so I know high performers are basically very conscious in how they hack that. And so for me, um, I've got a sequence that I go through to make sure that I stay on point. That sequence is, I actually put it out the other day, it's basically involves transitions. So to maximize my focus, um, I do a few protocols in terms of techniques uh, to make sure that my mechanism um, is functioning efficiently. Uh, so that'll basically look like a harmonizing of right and left hemisphere, making sure that all three brains are resonating. I've got a little technique to, to really do that with breathing. So that's basically one way I do it. And then once that's done, I set an intention and the intention is really a high value resonance. So an example of that would be if I'm sitting down to do marketing. So I'm going to write a marketing email. Uh, what's the intention behind the email? So the intention is to, to communicate uh, high value information that is going to transform somebody's life for the better. That is the intention of me writing this marketing. And so in that state, I focus on that state and I eliminate all distractions, cell phone off, notifications off, everything off, and it's laser focus until I get through that. The next point is to, once that's done, then I release. And so that becomes a, what I call a transition. I'll go take a walk, I'll do a stretch, I'll do some exercise, I'll meditate, or I'll do something to break that up to actually release it so that my brain is now done with that task. And then I come back and reset again and focus. Uh, depending on what I want to do. And I typically take three a day and say, these are the three things that I need to absolutely complete today. That's going to move me forward towards my goal and my objective. Uh, and, and that's what I focus on. Uh, so that's really one, one of my habits that I do. This is, it sounds a lot like deep work and some of the stuff that Cal Newport has utilized. Now you'll put your phone in airplane mode. Do you use any other apps or anything like that to just kind of silence the world from yourself? Um, I've got some apps. I've got some tech on the way, actually, that I'm very excited to get hold of, and something oh, that's, like what? Like what? Uh, I know you're t you're an absolute gadget guy. Uh, so there's you can see my room behind me, and there's just there's gadgets everywhere. I am so jealous. I, I don't have half the stuff that I want to get my hands on. It's 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 actually crazy. So this is actually called a. It's called New Rune. Okay. Uh, it was a Kickstarter. It's a sleep tracker. Okay. But it's more than that. So it measures brain waves. It measures heart coherence. Interesting. It, it also can be programmed to lucid dreaming. So it's got programs where it will wake you up and stimulate brain waves while you're sleeping to wake you up in your dream too, so that you can basically do some lucid dreaming. Okay. Typically, I want to basically use it for measuring what the practitioner or the facilitator's brain waves are when performing a session. Interesting. And then I also want to measure what the brain waves are when a client is having a, a facilitation because the research that I'm doing is working on the cerebral spinal fluid and activating the natural DMT that exists within the body um, and having a, an experience. And so the research is being developed and, and coming out of that. And I'm very interested to see what's happening in terms of the brain waves. So it's like EEG meets aura ring meets heart math. Oh, man, yeah, really. Um, it's, it's, it's an incredibly, it's developed by a, a doctor in Poland. Okay. And yeah, they're basically just fulfilling on, on their stuff. They said April this year and April's turned into way later. Like um, every other Kickstarter program I've invested in. Absolutely. But the great thing is that they're giving regular updates. They're looking at the quality they're giving. They've opened up all their, all their formulas, their algorithms, everything's open sourced. Um, they've really, it's, 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 they, they're doing a great job and it's all good. It's called new room. You said new room. So N E U R double O N. Okay. Excellent. I'll, I'll link to that one in the show notes. And then uh, final question for you, favorite book on peak performance. Oh, there's so many good ones. Uh, I really enjoy Brandon Bouchard's high performance habits. 
I think he's exceptional in how he researches stuff. And I also love the way he's very transparent in saying, hey, like I've put out information before that doesn't match the research that I've discovered now. Um, and so I always am very grateful for that. And so his high performance habits has, has been really, really good for strategies, the real practical strategies that work and that are based on research. So that's definitely one of them. High performance books, I, I study like Hintzer, Okay. Like he's written a couple of them. Um, that's really good. You know, like I come from an Eastern medicine and, and Taoist medicine background. So some of my high performance and inspirational books are taken from the Tao Te Ching. Yeah. From like 7,000 years ago of, you know, especially Taoist medicine, there's been a lot of lost knowledge because it was so repressed in, in the Chinese. Um, and they've only really included what's deemed um, acceptable by a Western model. And if you actually delve into it, I mean, I've got five books that kind of are like juicy like that in terms of ancient Taoist techniques and medicines. And so that's also been a, a really a juicy thing for me to dive into. And so, yeah, just staying inspired by, by things that I'm curious about and not being kind of locked into, uh, it's not socially acceptable. I've really, my whole life, uh, sought out and really searched for people that are on a new level in terms of pushing the boundary points of what's socially acceptable within the old models. Um, and yet they've been doctors and really um, high-performing mentors, um, yet they, their results are just challenging all conventional measures. So that's really what I, I, I search for. Justin, this has been a fantastic conversation. From my own personal standpoint, it just eye-opening. I really appreciate you taking me through uh, what was kind of a scary process because I wasn't sure what was going to happen. It confirmed some things I already knew and that in itself was empowering because I'm okay. It's not like I'm, I'm a nut for not being the alpha male of the party. Uh, and that in itself, I'll take away in this weekend. I'll, I'll definitely remember this conversation as I'm hosting a party. And so thank you again for doing this. Be willing to uh, open up your process to a live audience. And, you know, I hope I hope we can have more of these discussions again on that DNA replication will be will be fascinating to me. Yeah, um, it'll, be, it'll be interesting to talk results. Oh, absolutely. So we can we can do that more on uh, probably a part two. But again, the, the show notes will be decodingsuperhuman.com slash Justin. I'm so grateful for this conversation. Thank you so much. Boomer, it's been an absolute pleasure. I'm really honored. I've been a fan of the work that you've been putting out. I love the awareness and the platform, just allowing people to have access to technologies and how to really be a superhuman. I think this is really part of our, our evolutionary process is taking accountability and ownership of all the things that we can really accelerate with. And so much gratitude and love for everything that you're doing. I'm blushing if you can see me, but, uh, thank you again, Justin to all the superhumans out there listening, have an epic day. All right, superhumans. Did you enjoy me getting a little vulnerable there, showing you a little bit about what goes inside my brain? And you got to know a little bit about me as well. I hope you enjoyed this. And if you want to reach out to Justin, all of the show notes are at decodingsuperhuman.com slash Justin. And if you want to reach out to me, let me know what you think of the podcast, what you think about Unified Physics, where we should go in more detail. Please send an email at podcast at decodingsuperhuman.com. And I could also use some favors here from you guys, the audience, because I do all this for free in hopes that this message gets spread out to the world through things like reviews. So if you can go over to iTunes, Stitcher, SoundCloud, and we're now on Spotify and review the podcast, it'd be really helpful. Subscriptions, downloads, everything helps guys. Thank you so much and have an epic day.